Okay, welcome back to part two of the January episode of the Lincoln Town Supporters Trust. Uh, as I said in part one, if you were with us, Simon has left us. So it's myself, Kev, uh, James Cunliffe, uh, Dan Barrett-Davis and Tony Murray for this second part of the podcast. If you missed the first part, we reflected on Rob Edwards' start to uh, life as Luton manager. We've gone in depth on Alfie Doughty and Louis Watson. We've reviewed the matches that have been played in the last month or so, and the boys picked out some brilliant moments of 2022. Uh, this part of the podcast, we will begin with our blast from the past, where we're going to focus on two very, very popular and famous Luton players, Ricky Hill and Wayne Turner. Then we will bring things back to, well, the world of future, actually. From the past to the future, we'll discuss the academy and how well they're doing. We'll look at the transfer window. What do the town need? What don't the town need? Uh, the FA Cup draw, which has opened up well, potentially to quite a bit of dosh. We'll look ahead to the games up until Stoke City at home. And we'll finish off with a chat about Power Call, which we've not done this season because there hasn't been too much in the way of updates, but there is a significant update that we will discuss. First of all, then, Tony, we'll go back to the blast from the past. Last month, if you didn't listen, we covered the captain of that side. Uh, Brian Horton and this time we're going to cover the two men who played at Man City alongside him in midfield uh, Luton fans don't need no introduction to Ricky Hill uh, they probably don't need no introduction to Wayne Turner certainly those of that generation let's start with Wayne Turner actually Tony uh, obviously probably more famous for a certain goal he scored not too far away against a team that nobody likes but very much a focal part of that particular afternoon at Man City as well a real popular guy amongst the Luton fan base uh, yeah I can't say you you keep on stealing my thunder and mentioning things that I'm <laughs> going to go on to anyway so, yeah. um, believe me that's sorry, more of a concern I, for I, me than I feel like you. turning around and saying I'm sorry I don't remember who you're talking about but you know uh, no Wayne, Wayne Turner was was a, a local lad who uh, went to Chorney High School not too far from where I live uh, came through the ranks at Luton uh, same as Ricky to be honest with you he came through the ranks at Luton and uh, he was one of those guys that um, was, was was never sort of first choice, but was always Mr. Dependable. Never let us down, but was not one of those names that when he was in the side, you'd go, oh, great. It was always, oh, and Wayne Turner's it. But he, he did a, a, a fantastic job for us. Uh, 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 he's, he's come back to the club several times since then. But on that afternoon at Main Road, he started the game in midfield and he, he was like a, a, a tiger. He, he would get stuck in. He, he, As I said, he always gave 100%, always had the right positive attitude. And, um, you know, he, he um, helped control that midfield for us. And uh, he was unfortunately the one that made, made way for Radiantish when he came on as a substitute. But um, Wayne, although never um, hitting the heights and not probably one of the first men, uh, first players that you would remember as part of that great side, um, he, it, it, I still felt it was a story day when he left just to go to Coventry City. Uh, but again, he would always put a shift in uh, like a terrier, never gave up. You know, as I said, Mr. Dependable, 100%. And also, you've already mentioned it, Kevin, he scored a, a, a great uh, winning goal for us in a cup replay against uh, some other team from down the, the motorway. Which is probably what he's most uh, remembered for. But he, yeah. I mean, he's fulfilled an awful lot of roles at the club, hasn't he? I mean, he's been assistant yes, manager. He he's, done, he's done an awful lot of things. And actually, I think the thing I like about Wayne Turner and if you ever speak to him you'll know this so quickly his love for and enthusiasm for this football club is it's yeah. unparalleled isn't it it's it's genuine it's a genuine love and I mean if he, he well, often does said he's, he, he's the Luton lad isn't he? He, he he grew up in the town he, he went to school in the town he he, he he came through the ranks at the clubs I've already said he's played for the club uh, uh, you can't ask more for him a guy than that no, that's it. He often does co-commentary alongside Simon uh, for I yep. follow. So uh, if you do, and he's a decent, what, he's a decent coach as well. He knows his stuff. He really does. He's you know, absolutely fantastic, and of course, a vital cog 
of that entire season, not just that afternoon, not least, but because, like you said, Tony is the one who made way for the eventual match winner. Now, whether you're a Luton fan of the generations, the two generations in this podcast, or even more recently, you'll know the name Ricky Hill. You'll know the name either as a player like we all do, or if you're younger than us, you'll know him as a manager. Either way, however you know Ricky Hill, you will know Ricky Hill. He's probably, alongside McCarth, the most famous person that this club has ever had. And he's probably known more, Tone, for 1988 uh, and everything he'd done for us in that cup run. But he was, you know, he, he was... He was a special player, wasn't he? I remember when I did a bit for the programme and I always got sort of people from my dad's generation and slightly older than me, and you did it for me as well, uh, to pick their Luton 11s. Every single one, he was in the midfield. He, he, he Alongside Mick, he's a god at this club. <laughs> oh, God, yes. And, and a lovely fellow with it as well. But um, probably the most skillful player I've ever seen play for Luton. Um, you know, he had everything, not only, you know, uh, good left foot, good right foot. He was pretty decent in the air as well. And, uh, you know, he had so much skill, he composed on the ball. Um, you know, at that sort of skill level, you're almost looking at sort of Gascoigne level that Ricky Hill had. Um, and uh, not only that, he, he could put his foot in as well and... and um, you know, he wasn't scared to tackle, but he, he, he was the creativity. I mean, we always had players around him who would do the donkey work and the hard work, but the main aim was to give it to Ricky Hill because he would do something creative with it. And, uh, you know, most players who played for us, who played with him, will say he's the most skillful player they've played with. He should have had more England caps. Um, I think if he'd have played for a more fashionable club, he would have. Um, and, you know, it's probably, when you look back at it, it was probably to his detriment that he he, he spent so long with us. But he, he was um, so loyal to us. And and, uh, same for, and and when we were at our peak in the first division, he, he is probably one of the best players that's ever played for Luton. Uh, you know, as I said, he had everything. I've seen him score some fantastic goals. The one on his debut against the Bristol Rovers. One of my favourites was the winner at QPR in the game on the plastic. I was behind the goal, dead in line with the shot when he hit it from outside the area. It, it went about a foot off the ground and was still was still travelling when it hit the back of the net. Um, um, one of my other favourite goals that he, he scored for us was in 1989 when we played Southampton away at the Dell um, in the League Cup uh, when um, he scored the winner for us in, in extra time, uh, slammed the ball in from the edge of the box. And uh, he was just a great, great player, so skillful. I, I remember once seeing him in a game at Leicester where he um, the ball came out from a goal kick and on the... Uh, he was on the right wing. He he took the ball on his on his chest and on his thigh and went past two Leicester players w- without the ball touching the ground. And again, there was a piece of skill where uh, uh, when we played an FA Cup game at home to Peterborough, where he got he, he took the ball on his forehead, turned round, beat the defender and dropped and 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 played. It, 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 it just unbelievable talent, unbelievable skill. Um, you know, once you, you, you saw him at his peak, you'd never forget him. And uh, he was so instrumental in that midfield and in that side at Manchester City. Uh, you know, it was a very, very sad day when he left us, Ricky Hill. Um, and, and I think that, that that contributed, I think, to us getting relegated in 91-92 because we didn't have that level of skill. But culture, class... Silky skills. You can use all those terms to define him and describe him, but it never seemed enough. But a great, great player. And, and, and uh, I'm so glad that I was around and, you know, was able to see him at his peak. Class. Sheer class. He really was. And um, 
all the players of today that you know they're always eulogized aren't they but he would he would stand out in today's game on these pitches absolutely no problem oh, he, 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 be a top, if top he was player. around today kev he, he'd, he'd go for millions he'd be one of the and our biggest transfer fees ever it's today's game he, Luton would have been lucky if they'd held on to him for three seasons. Yeah, absolutely. The only downside, and it wasn't his fault, is his term as manager. If anyone would deserve to really make a success of it, much like with Mick as well, it was him. Unfortunately, the club wasn't in a good place behind the scenes when he took over and um, that reign didn't go as well as any of us wanted to. But don't hold that against him. He's an absolute diamond no, guy. not at all who, like Wayne Turner, also loves the club as well. And uh, if you've read his book, you'll know all about that. Real top player who was uh, pivotal, as Tony said, to that 83 campaign and indeed winning the cup in 88. Um, if you've missed any of our Blast from the Past sections or you want to know more information about the players that we've talked about, head to the Hatters Heritage website. They've got a whole dedicated section on that particular season, 40 years ago, this particular year. And you'll see... So much uh, great memories and you probably will see clips of the guys that we talk about in action. Really good website, really good resource, really good people who do that. And um, yeah, hope they keep up the fantastic work. James, let's bring it from the past to the future because Luton's Academy is thriving again, actually, because, um, well, they're through to um, the next round of the FA Cup, which they play on Wednesday uh, home to QPR tickets are on sale for that now the Trust and Law Luton have come together and they are doing hospitality package full details on our website for that please do take up that uh, offer if you can uh, it'll be a great night and if you can get to the game if you're a season ticket holder and you don't want hospitality you can get in for free so really really good if you're not going to Wigan on Tuesday try and get down to Kenilworth Road and see these boys in action if you saw them in the last round on a stream that Birmingham City put out, you'll have seen one of the most impressive young displays you'll see from a team in a long time. They won 6-0, could have been 16-0. Uh, they they just looked a really good side. And some of that team, James, are already making their way onto the substitutes bench for the first team. Now, this all comes from the man who's heading up the academy. And whilst Nathan Jones has left us, thankfully Paul Hart hasn't. And we all remember the interview that Nathan gave when Paul Hart took the academy over. It was like we just made the signing of the century. And I can see why, because anyone who was at the Trust AGM, uh, I did a Q&A with Paul Hart afterwards, and he is absolutely fantastic. And you can just see all of the um, morals and sort of everything that Brian Clough instilled in him, he's instilled into this academy. And it's, it's, it's thriving, it really is. Yeah, and I have to admit that I thought that he might be off when Jones went because <clears throat> Jones was so instrumental in him coming to the club and then moving to the academy from you know first team duties. So it's he's one of the best to have done it, really, isn't he? Uh, in, in academy football, the amount of players he's brought through, the pedigree he's got. So to be there doing it for Luton uh, is a wonderful coup really and and they've got some wonderful young coaches as well with experience and recent experience of what it's like to play for this football club um and that experience is of a, of a club that's on the up so that that always bodes well you know people always talk about players um knowing the club coming back in or sometimes managers as well it's got to work for coaches particularly I mean Alan McCormack was only there what, three or four seasons ago wasn't he uh, if you think about it so those players will um, would have known about him uh, and Lawless as well uh, it's it's it, it, well I mean the results speak for themselves uh, at the end of the day and what, what they've been achieving um, so far but the ultimate goal obviously is to get more players and that production line to go through from those academy sides and all the way through to the first team, um, as did with James, Justin. And yeah, so Casey Petit has been on the bench for a couple of games and, you know, you and I have had a little discussion of whether he might actually get a game um, against Wigan. It didn't turn out that way in the end, but um, 
the fact that he's on there and you can see the likes of Louis Watson who we talked about in the first part of the podcast is now getting his chance and, and is taking it. That is as much as you can probably do, really. Then it's up to the player. You've got to give them that opportunity to come through and and and, and show that and, and show that they can have that um, route and that journey through to the first team. Um, you know, the reason it probably hasn't happened as much as we would have liked over the past few seasons is exactly what Nathan Jones always used to say, that the club would progress too fast for the players that are currently there. But I think that's starting to, um, it, not even even out, that's not even the right term, That's it, it's starting to turn the corner there because Luton now are an established championship side. They can attract better players. Obviously, we all know that the end goal in terms of the academy um, progression is to get that um, category to status and, and, and build up and, you know, <laughs> perhaps, you know, they should have had it by now if it weren't for the bloody council, yeah. but there you go. They're still working towards that and I've no doubt that it will one day happen and hopefully the sooner the better. But uh, everything, yeah, um, in terms of uh, the academy is uh, looking positive and on the up and, and really it has to go that way for Luton to be able to compete because they're never going to be able to spend the big bucks on people. But if they can bring wonderful players through who go on to play for the first team or perhaps and in a pretty penny in the transfer market, then um, that's that's what it's there for. That's that's why you have an academy side. And if if you don't do that, well, regardless of what club you are, Chelsea, look at you. What's the bloody point of never an academy? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and actually, um, obviously, James Justin gets uh, an awful lot of mention in. Understandably so. He comes from the academy right through. So the first team, Curtis Davies, before him did that. But in the modern day, Corley Woodrow can be similar. And yes, I know he left. But he's come back, and he's a he he he's the perfect kind of person, really, for everyone to look up to. That you know, because of where the club was at the time, Corley Woodrow was too good for us. Well, this is the yeah. opposite. And he moved. He moved because um, he was too. Uh, he, his journey, his trajectory was too quick for Luton. And now it's gone round again that they've they've met at this time and place, and it's the right fit again. So, yeah, you're right there. I think. Um, you know, hopefully gets more of a run in the team and does the business like he did against Norwich. should become one of those um, players that those youngsters can look up to. I think, yeah, I think he was signed. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he was signed as some kind of role, role model in that way. It's uh, it's the kind of thing that our club does. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good all round. I mean, Tony, you was at the, at the AGM. I mean, Paul Hart is just a diamond of a bloke, isn't he? Um, you, it, I can see why Nathan was so... Um, determined to have him head up the academy, and yeah, and James has mentioned the coaches have all got sort of former Luton experience, but this guy he just he just knows how to do it, doesn't he? He's just a oh, top yeah. fella. You need somebody like him at the head of of your academy. He knows what he's about. He knows what he wants. He knows what it takes, and he's just sort of player. He's you know, as a player, he's been there. He's done it himself. Um, a very, very interesting character as well, shall we say. But he's a good role model um, and, and that's what you need, the figurehead. Somebody who can point it in the right direction, get it to that Category 2 status and uh, everybody can look to him and learn from him as well. You know, he's got a, a tremendous, tremendous guy. And actually, Dan, I mean, his under-18 side are unbeaten this season and we are in January and um, it's quite some effort, really. I mean, the the FA Youth Cup always gets the kind of major attention, not least because of what the James Justin side did five, six years ago when they got to uh, the quarterfinals and lost out against Blackburn. But this side looked like they're ready to do similar things. They've already been away to Liverpool during the World Cup break in a friendly. Now that's Liverpool, whose academy are you know, in a different world to our one, mm. obviously. Uh, and they drew 1-1 with Liverpool. So this is a talented side that, even though some of its players are going out on loan to get men's football now, still not weakening any. And um, and I know speaking to one or two people, they're quietly confident that they'll do QPR over next week. And uh, it's, it would be great to see. If, if you watch these boys, they really are entertaining. 
Yeah, it's a it's a great advert for the football club, and uh, you know we we have we have been starved of young players coming through. I think Justin was the last one to uh, make his debut and stake a, a, a place in the team on a long term basis. Um, so to see a group of, another group of players doing similar to what Justin side did a few years ago, I think it. It's only encouraging. It's only good from the football club, and it just shows what you can put together when you've got everything in place, um, everything put in correctly. And it, it, it's, it's starting to show. Like um, I think James said earlier, and you know, I'm starting to see youngsters making the bench in the first team now. Uh, Simon said about it earlier, which I, I remember him saying about you know if you if you're good enough, you, you're old enough, aren't you? It does age doesn't really have a have a barrier and we've always historically I remember growing up as a kid we've always historically had young players and a good number of players play in the first team uh, Ricky Hill going back to the 80s and Wayne Turner who we discussed earlier um, during the 90s when we had no money it was a godsend for us because we could blood youngsters like Emerson Boyce Matty Spring you know and never, uh, Paul McLaren Kelvin Davis all those, all those guys and we we reap the benefits financially from from it, particularly John Hartson back in '95, and it, it's good to see that we're now at a stage where we can start looking back to that again and start looking towards it. Because to buy a player from another club, I think the higher you go up the football league, the cost of a player is going to be higher because I think, well, hang on a minute, Luton are up in the Premier League for, for, for argument's sake, they can afford to pay a little bit more for this for this lad we've got here, rather than. Luton just go well actually we'll just develop our own players and that costs next to nothing in the grand scheme of things so it's a very it's, it's very good and it's important as well I think Luton's always had the DNA as I said for developing young players and so we should be carrying that on yeah yeah long <coughs> long long may that continue and of course mm-hmm. Tony we should when we're mentioning the academy uh, point out the good work of Solid not only did they keep the academy not not necessarily afloat back in the days of the conference but certainly they helped out with funding back in those days and they're still doing so today and um, you know all the work that they're doing helping the academy fund trips to team bonding um, exercises overnight stays when they have big games things like that just the Solid Boys are doing a, a really really good job and um, they deserve all the credit in the world for that Oh, definitely. But let's not forget that uh, they, they work hard and everything, but it, it ultimately comes from the supporters, from those who who uh, generously give uh, money to, to support it and, and keep it going and getting the club to where it is now. Because, you know, producing uh, young players coming through has always been the lifeblood of this, this club. I mean, you know, there's been some really good names mentioned already but you can there's so many you can add to that you know like Paul Telfer Matthew Taylor Kingsley Black Mark Pembridge um Kerry Hughes uh Jason Rees uh all, all people like that that have come through and gone on and had a great career in the game so it is important and it, it, it as, as Dan has said it's nice to see these youngsters coming and sitting on the bench and you know that if they get into that stage, then they're good enough. But I know that everybody refers to the the, the youth team that JJ came through in, you know, um, with Masonder and the other players there. But this current crop of 18-year-olds are rated more highly than that youth team. Uh, and for them to go to Birmingham and take on a Category 2 academy and absolutely destroy them in that game, 6-0, was, was fantastic. Uh, and you know, if, if they'd have got double figures in that game, then Birmingham couldn't have complained. So uh, the future is bright, and it's fantastic to see. It really is, yeah. Uh, the boys they deserve a crowd to play in front of on Wednesday night. They really do. So if, as I say, if you're not going to Wigan, or even if you do go to Wigan, and you fancy uh, an evening at Kenilworth Road, seven pm kickoff. It's free to get in if you're a season ticket holder. If you're not a season ticket holder, it's only a fiver. Um, to get in, as I say, the Trust and Law Luton are offering a hospitality um, package where you can get a pre-match meal in the area at Morecambe and enjoy the game as well. Details of that are on our website and their website. And um, yeah, it should be a really, really good night. You do need to get a ticket for that game though at the ticket office. It's not pay on the day or anything like that. So uh, get onto the ticket office or go online 
and get your ticket if you can. As I say, these boys, they're doing great work for our football club. They are the future of our football club and they deserve all the support that we can give them. Again, it's QPR and who doesn't want a Luton team to be QPR, let's be honest. So, uh, <laughs> you know, exactly. happy days, exactly. days all round. So, yeah, um, if you can get down there, please do. You'll definitely be more than welcome. Now, James, the future's bright. Hopefully, lots of players come out from uh, that academy side, but that's probably a little bit down the line. But for the next four weeks, Luton can sign players. Who do we need? I don't care about the transfer window in January, this January, to be honest, two guys. I'm really glad I started with you now. No, I just don't think that there's there needs to be a knee-jerk reaction and go and sign players. There's players that are coming back from injury now. Um, the the defence doesn't look as depleted as it, uh, as it was. Got options in midfield. And now with Watson and, and the potential versatility of Dowerty, as we spoke about in the part one of the podcast, you've got one of the best strikers in the championship um, starting to fire again. Um, and, you know, Adebayo as well, who hasn't been talked of as much, but I feel that he's he's getting back to his best, just needs something to go for him uh, in terms of the goal scoring. So, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't see where they really need to be too concerned. It's, it's always this case, this situation where um, if something becomes available, and that's. I think there's a bit of a misnomer, really, because they, they know who they want. It's just whether they can get them, whether the finances work out for them. But, I mean, even if they don't get them this January, which I don't really foresee much happening, can't, nothing seems to be cropping up so far, but that's not to say that it won't, because they, they do tend to pull a few rabbits out of the hat. But, you know, they wanted Doughty for a few seasons and get him, but they eventually did. So, um I think I think the results have gone for Edwards uh, to such an extent that he, he if, if no one comes in, I wouldn't. I won't be bothered. I wouldn't be bothered at all. Um, so yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's. Well, I don't really care about the transfer window uh, at, at this point because um, everything seems to be going quite well at the moment. Well, that's pissed on my chips, but at least the F5 button's not going to take a battering on uh, deadline day anyway. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I almost feel like moving on actually, Dan, but I won't. I will yeah. come to you. Um, right. Any areas in the squad that you'd like to see improved? Um, I'm going to say defence because I, I just remember last season and there's been a couple of times this year where we're shuffling people about, which I've no problem with. I think you need players that can play more than one position. And we've got so many options that can do that. But I'd just like to see another centre-half in there. Just, just even if it's just as cover, because obviously you've got Bradley's out with a long-term injury. Um, Glenn Ray can play there as well as obviously out for a long-term injury. If Potts gets injured again, Burke's very injury-prone. Gabe Oshir loves getting sent off. Um so I just I don't think we're ne- I don't think we're necessarily weak there either. I just think in terms of numbers, I think we could really do with one extra. But I'm not going to lose sleep if we don't. I, I think it will be a quiet window to be honest, because I don't think there's anything like we've got a plethora of midfield quality in midfield. I should say. Um, obviously, Elliot Thorpe's come back in now, and he'll be fighting to get some game time as well. Uh, doubt he's run into some form, pushing Bell and, and Bree as well. Um, I have seen Bree's been linked with the Premier League side. Whether that materialises or whether it's paper talk, hopefully the latter. Um, Even that, I'd be surprised. He, he was listed with about four or five other players who, you'd yeah, that Fulham it, would want more than James Bree. I think. I think it is just paper talk. I've, you know, I, I think he's a very good player. He's very good at what he does, and his crossings improve no end since Alan Sheen came back into the club as a coach um, his crossing noticeably got better um, but yeah I don't think he's quite what Fulham are after really I, I don't know I don't know but if you say there's four or five other players are looking at I don't think he's going to be the one that they'll pick 
unless they can't get the others. I don't know. Well, it'd be no, ironic if they take a defender from Luton after putting seven past us last time they played us, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I think he was one of the one of the players that played that night as well, wasn't he? Probably. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he played yeah. that night. So, in in many ways, then, um, Tony, yeah, you're right, Dan. I, I agree. With you. In many ways, Tony, is it about keeping right. this squad together in this window rather than necessarily? Adding I think that. I think that's probably the main thing is is keeping them together. Although they. The, the only rumour going around is, is has already been said about James Bree, but you're always thinking that, you know, there, there could be some kind of sniffing around Carlton Morris. Um, it beat Manny, no, so take it off him, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think Sorry? we can dictate. It'd be big money if yeah. someone's coming for yeah. Morris. Yeah, he, he's not going less yeah. than eight figures, is he? No. no. But um, I, I would have said... If you'd have asked me a couple of months ago, I would have said we definitely need a centre-back and a holding midfielder. But I, I think the pressure has eased on that. I, I agree with Dan, probably one for, you know, uh, an, an, an extra body in there because that seems to be the one area, both this season and last season, where we were hit with injuries, was centre-backs. You know, because uh, on more than one occasion, we've had full-backs playing as centre-backs. Um, I think the emergence of Louis Watson and uh, Jordan Clark being switched back to to holding midfielder has, has eased that crisis a bit. I think, but as you say, I I I, I think it it will be a quiet transfer window as well. I mean, Gary has already said if a gem becomes available, then there is funds to pounce. So I can't see anything major happening. Certainly is funds to uh, pounce, isn't there? Um, Jones mm-hmm. went for a pretty penny, so um, you know there's that money. Uh, fortunately, they've beaten Man City tonight, so he doesn't need no players, so he doesn't need to come sniffing. So um, that might take away all the drama of the transfer window. So sorry, everyone listening, it's going to be pretty crap, to be fair. But hey, go underwhelming. Sorry, we'll take yeah. it. You know, we're we're in a good place. But I think the key thing is, you know, like you've all said, Reese Burke's like a new transfer, really, if we keep him fit. And actually, I think we'll keep a lot more of these players fit because we're playing in a style with the football as opposed to chasing it around uh, all all afternoon. And I think that is going to have an impact. I hope so. Anyway, um, FA Cup draw. Uh, it's another one of your favourite subjects, actually, James. Uh, I know how much you absolutely hate this as well. So I'll start with you. But, I mean, let's all be honest. When it happened, we were all like, Lino, for fuck's sake, why have you disallowed that goal? And then Grimsby at home come out in the fourth round and all of a sudden there's a pot of gold waiting there, isn't there? I mean, you win the you win the replay against Wigan, then you play against Grimsby, but that's 225 grand if you, be, if you win those two games, plus the gate receipts that come from it, then the potential of a huge tie in the fifth round like we had last season. All of a sudden that replay's taken on a bit of significance. Yeah, it's, it, you can get a decent run in the cup, potentially. Um, it, it's just not very exciting, is it? The, the, the draw. <laughs> <laughs> all, the magic of the cup, there was so much more magic available when Luton were further down the pyramid because any number of teams in the, the Championship and the oh. Premier League, maybe even League One, they could... That could, that could be classed as a big game, a big draw, and you'd you get excited about it. But realistically, if Luton are going to be a um, playoff-chasing championship side, then the big games are drastically reduced. Because even if you get a Premier League side in the bottom half, you're like, hmm, it's not that great, is it? So, yeah, so realistically, when you talk about the magic of the cup, you've got to get one of the country's big big clubs and that's what you're really looking for so when you get a um a draw against Grimsby while um it means you potentially could go deeper into the competition you've got to get past Wigan first and Wigan don't have a great record against but that doesn't really matter I suppose considering records have tumbled already under Edwards but um it, it does represent a good chance to get you know, towards the business end of the competition. Um, just not very excited about it at the moment. Fair enough. I mean, 
Dan, it's, I mean, there is that pot of gold at the end of it. But also, I think I read somewhere eight Premier League teams have gone out already. At least two more will go out in the next round because Man City play Arsenal and Liverpool or Wolves play Brighton. So all of a sudden, if you get into the fifth round, you're in a fifth round with, and let's assume that someone else from the Premier League is going to be upset somewhere along the line because it always happens. Mm. All of a sudden, you're in the last 16 of the FA Cup with less than half of the Premier League in it. And you're looking back at the sort of Wiggins and the Portsmouths in the recent memory who went all the way in it. And, and, you know, I think Portsmouth beat Cardiff in that final, didn't they, who were in the championship at the time? Yeah. You kind of, maybe there's, you know, maybe you can go deep, deep, deep in it. I mean, we're not going to get knocked out by Chelsea this season for the first time in three years. That's a certainty. And um, you just, you know, it, it could open right up this thing. Yeah, certainly, yeah. Um, the one thing that I've always loved about the FA Cup, apart from the third round and the old FA Cup final day where it used to start first thing in the morning and finish late in the evening and it was a whole day thing, it's, it's just the magic that it draws up. You know, you, James is absolutely right. There's not much enthusiasm for Grimsby at home, but it's still a chance of a cup run. And for clubs like Luton over the years, who uh, we haven't necessarily done well, all the time, you know, sometimes when we've been stuck in the middle, sometimes a cut runs a good distraction and then you can build on that. Uh, in recent years, we've we've obviously progressed and so I, th- I think we've sort of treated it as a sort of give other people a chance sort of thing. But I, I noticed Saturday we started really strong and I think Edwards is keen to get a good cut run and continue the momentum. And I think given where he's at at the moment, where Luton are at, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to have a good cut run. Like you say, the less Premier League sides in there, the more we can fancy our chances. And who knows? Who knows? We might get a cut run like we did in '94. Who knows? And, and we won't get knocked out by Chelsea in that either. So mm. it's all to play for, isn't it? We definitely won't get knocked out by Chelsea, that for sure. As you um, say. Oh, and well done to both of you so far for uh, going through and not mentioning a certain 7 1 result in the FA Cup, which I'm sure we can all. Remember against Grinsby back in the day, Tony, it's, um, I mean, it's a better memory than me. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, that day will never leave my memory. Um, It really is a a competition that all of a sudden, with this squad as well, I mean, bearing in mind we changed everyone against Chelsea last year and only went down 3-2 anyway, why we couldn't push for the quarterfinals. And of course, you know, when you're in the fifth round, you're two wins away from Wembley and that's a whole different subject, which I hate and I know you hate and everyone hates, but it's a fact of life. Where we would be two wins away from Wembley. Mm, yeah, and uh, we we're looked upon now to be in the top half championship side, so we should be, you know, doing well in cup competitions. Um, you know, once it gets to the fifth round, um, it's taken a bit more seriously these days, and you that you then. Um, have clubs start playing their strongest teams rather than their weakened side. Um, so it, it's something to, to to aim for. I mean, granted, with no disrespect to Wigan, but we've, we've got to get past them first. Um, so we need to have two good results against them next week uh, because, as already been said, the fifth round, you get a good draw there, you could bring in a lot of money. Particularly, you know, it could be televised if we get a big club. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's something to to add to our season. We are due a good run in the cup. We haven't had one for a while, so um, I can't see any reason why we can't get through to the fifth round. But as I said, we we need a bit of luck next Tuesday night against Wigan. Yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, hopefully we get a good cup run. Hopefully we get a really good cup run and. You know, Wembley might become a second home again to us at the end of this season, mm. like it did in the 80s. Um, let's look ahead to some of these matches that are to come then. Uh, we'll start with uh, you, um, James, on Saturday, which I said, I can't remember if I did it uh, on this podcast or if I did it on your website, but once I came away from West Brom, I knew the second they sacked Steve Bruce, that side were going to go places. So that point down there, I recognised as a good point. And all of a sudden, that looks like a pretty tough assignment on Saturday, but not one that we should be scared of in any way. 
I don't think you should be scared of any of the the teams in the championship that's not what Luton are anymore um, and they got their top scorer out suspension because that's it's an ID elbow he threw in the FA Cup so that, that can always help I think they're, yeah, they're a different prospect now um, as anybody with a pair of eyes could see that Steve Bruce I think we spoke about that last time he's yesterday's yesterday's man really so quite what they were doing so long knocking around with him is it's beyond me um, <clears throat> they're, they're they're a huge club at, certainly at this level and you know they're a decent sized club even at Premier League level so um, it's another chance to do a double against a big club though so um, I uh, I go into it with cautious optimism not sure how I feel about that, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> we spoke actually. We spoke in part one of the podcast about how the Bournemouth win uh, elevated us to sort of belief of things, and how Norwich win could have done the same. Well, the following win from the Bournemouth game was West Brom at home, where Alan Campbell scored that screamer, as referenced by Harry Cornick on Saturday, and Cameron Jerome scored a header, which must, um, amazingly he was on side for. Um, Similar repeat of a result there, Dan. I mean, they are a much better side than where their league position was when we played them down there. I mean, that much is obvious. But we're at home and uh, Rob Edwards has said ever since he came in that he wants this place to return to a fortress. Yeah, and uh, he's every right to come out and say that and demand that as well because we all know how powerful Kenilworth Road can be when the 12 man's on it, you know, and we really need everybody to be... You know, shout from the rooftops, so they say, tell the boys over the line. I, I don't fear West Brom. I, I'm going to, well, I, I say I don't fear them. I'm going to stand cautiously optimistic because you, you never quite, I think West Brom are one of those sides where you never really quite know what's going on with them, you know, where where they're going to be. Um, I remember playing them last year at their place and I thought they were nailed on um, to go up. Of course, they had a a real slip and then the Steve Bruce episode and they're sort of finding their feet back again in the championship now um, and they're still a good side to be reckoned with but hey we're, we're looting now this is this is the looting we are we we don't really fear anybody um, I, th- I think it'll be a draw but I hope I'm wrong I hope, I hope we're a little bit more positive than that obviously um, but I'm, I'm going for a one-all draw yeah, it would be the first home game we've drawn 1-1 this season, would it, to be fair? No. Uh, uh, Tony, they haven't got a pot to piss in, but they have got players to uh, do some damage. But equally, we have as well, haven't we? So, um, how do you see this mm. one going? Um, I'm not too differently to how the, the, the other lads see it. Um, West Brom are one of those teams, they, they could turn it on and play well. They, they certainly... You know, I didn't expect them to be down at the bottom of the table for that long um, after Steve Bruce left. But um, I, I think we've got enough in us to win. But it's just, you know, depends how we perform on the day. I'd certainly let West Brom worry about us rather than us worry about West Brom. Um, you know, they, 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 they've got to be worried about coming to our place. Um, so I'm 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 hoping for a win, but I would settle for a draw. Sold out Kenilworth Road on Saturday, so it's going to be a great yeah. atmosphere. Look, really looking forward to that. And whoever's in goal for West Brom will be a former Luton goalkeeper. Whether it's Alex Palmer who was here for a couple of games last season, or David Barton who sat on the bench and uh, got all the glory in the Johnston Paint Trophy final, it will be one of mm-hmm. the two. So that will be interesting. Then James's Wigan week. Uh, the replay followed by the league game. Um, does one naturally mean the same result for the other, or do you not see it like that? Uh, no, I don't see it like that. Um, I would like to take up your option of just playing the one game and settling it, settling both sides. <laughs> that, was a, that was at all possible. If we ran football, James, it'd be so much a better game, wouldn't it? It, it would be. I'm sure Wigan would be up for that as well. He wants to play that game again uh, so quickly. I mean, it's all right for them. They're at home, aren't they? But, um, um, yeah, I mean, g- given the, the the carrot of uh, progression and a bit of extra cash in the pocket that we've already spoken about in the, 
in the FA Cup. I think it's uh, um, almost a necessity to go out there with a decent strength side in the FA Cup and uh, and try and do the business, um, which I think they I think they will. Edward seems like he wants to have a bit of a run in the in a cup, and it's another chance to build some mythology, I guess. Really, if you do go further in, in, in the competition, so there's there's not that many midweek games coming up. So I think that you've got the opportunity to go and play a full strength side and not have to worry about resting players, uh, particularly for this month coming up. Anyway, yeah, you're going through to Preston four weeks later for the next. Um, midweek game so like you say I mean all of this resting and all that nonsense I mean if you're that worried about who they've got playing for them just injure a couple of them then they won't play on a Saturday will they it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a bloody easy game this uh, I tell you um, Dan I'm not going to ask you whether you'd want three points or progression in the cup but do you think did you sorry did you see anything on Saturday that suggests we can't do both um, only that it was a little bit flat and a bit similar to how we play against them earlier in the league just seemed, that seemed a bit flat as well um, but I don't think I don't think it'll strike twice in the same week can it I think you know I think you you can look at past results head-to-heads like the two home games we've had with them this year and you can you can do one of a couple of things with them you can either um, dwell on it and think well better be careful here or you can learn from it and try and channel anything positive and again what I said about analysing your position earlier in the podcast as long as we do our homework on them like we did with overrunning the right hand side and doing pretty pretty successfully with it as well a lot of the play was down that side of the pitch in both halves as long as we can capitalise on that and work to our strengths I don't see any reason why we can't win both games to be honest with you no. You know, it, um, the only the only thing is if if we don't do that, then whether we're going to do their own work on us, it's a, a bit of a mind game sort of thing going on. I think that could come into it. Um, whether whether the mentality is there or not, that you know, because we we can be really really good one week, but we can have a, a absolute stinker the next the next game as well. So it's all about perspective, I think. You know. Has to be the most least appealing week as a Luton fan. <laughs> I've got. I can't lie to you. It's got. Yeah. It's just got. It's just got drag all over it this week. Yeah. But um, Tony, are we better suited away from home at the minute? We seem to be getting the better of the results away from home than we are at home. I I, I think so. I think the records this season shows that um, we seem to be uh, a hard unit to break down and beat away from home. Um. Although next week, I, I, I think we'll have a, a, a stronger team out on the Saturday to get the points. I, I think it could see Tuesday night uh, a bit of a different team with a, a few, you know, other players playing, get experience. But I still think we've got enough of, about us to beat Wigan on both games next week. Yeah, let's hope that's the case. Uh, the week after the mm. Wigan League game, we don't actually know who we're playing yet. Uh, we could be playing Cardiff City at home in the Championship. We could be playing Grimsby at home in the FA Cup. Or we could have no game whatsoever, uh, depending on the result of that Wigan mm-hmm. game and how Cardiff do in their replay against Leeds in the FA Cup. But let's assume, um, chaps, as we've already spoken about the Grimsby game or the potential of the Grimsby game and the fact that they're missing two strikers and they're two leagues below us and it's very much the same as Cambridge in the Cup in the same round last season that we're playing Cardiff at home, James. Uh, side that... I mean, they were up there with with among the most boring teams to watch on the planet, but that should only serve as a good opportunity for us to win um, at home. Yeah, that that is a, a genuine opportunity to do a double over, over them. Um, since, it is. Uh, we did. We did win there. You're right. We did. We win always there. win in Wales. Yeah, back in uh, back in August, um, they hopefully will get distracted by a cup run. I think they've. Um, They've, they've wasted their chance really against Leeds, uh, but we'll see. Uh, it'd be nice if they did get distracted. They already seem distracted in the league, didn't they? They're well down the bottom there. Although, you know, remarkably, it's only there's still only like eleven point gap between Newton and Cardiff. And Cardiff, you, you'd say, are relegation candidates at the moment. Um, it's just never fun playing, like you say, is it? So. Um, 
but it, you know sometimes you just got to get the job done and um i think that uh the days of cardiff being that much of a thorn in the inside hopefully touch with her over so I'll yeah go, I'll go they should they, they, they should be over i've seen too much of cardiff they've been on telly too many times recently they're not a good side. Uh, they're not. They're not even going to improve between now and then because they're under a transfer embargo. Because they could be bothered to pay for the fellow who um, sadly met his match um, when they signed him. What was it? When they were in the Premier League? God knows how long ago it was. Mm. So they've got a transfer embargo, so they won't be any better than what they have been. And let's be honest, they're pretty crap. So um, we should be all right there. It's not fun playing Cardiff down, and it sure as buggery ain't fun playing Stoke. And it weren't fun playing Stoke away from home because the manager couldn't be bothered. Everyone knew that the manager couldn't be bothered. Um, you know, they scored and we may as well have gone home at the very second that that first goal hit the back of the net. It will be different on the 4th of February, though. It's a different setting this time, isn't it? You haven't got, like you say, you haven't got a manager who can't make his mind up. Is he yours? In, well, which day am I going to announce him? Fucking off. Um, you know, you've got a manager now who's, who's very keen, committed, very keen to make an impression early on as he is doing and continuing that. And you've got a Stoke team who, you know, could bore you to tears. You know, they play crap football. They're a crap side. Um, we ought to undo them, I think. You know, I, <laughs> I, I don't like watching Stoke at all. I take very little pleasure in it. Um, for no other reason. than They're, they're just shit to watch. They're, they've just been crap to watch for years and they've just got progressively worse over the years, haven't they? And they're, they're just they get they're turning into a bit like what Cardiff now, I reckon. Cardiff are now because they're just crap to watch, no quality in there, and it, it doesn't fill you with great joy when you say, "Oh, I'm going to watch us play Stoke next week." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, it, it definitely does not fill <laughs> you with joy. That is absolutely right. They're a weird side. Every manager in the land thinks they're the person to turn them around, and I don't think they're for turning. Uh, Nobody can do it, and I've you couldn't sure you couldn't turn it round with enough three point turn chances, you know, with enough turns in the road. You couldn't turn it round because it's the club. I, I know a supporter who who watches them regularly, and he, he says the club is rotten from top to bottom. And God knows why we got a shit awful record against them. But you we know, did. But in James's uh, as James likes to know, you know, we did win their last season, so we did, and that's brilliant. Yeah. Every clan, and that was, I think it was Danny Hilton's first championship goal, wasn't it? There, so or one mm. of them. So, um, yeah, like that was a good thing. Uh, I think apart from Saturday, I think we're all pretty comfortable that there's going to be some wins on the horizon for the town in the next month or so. And um, let's hope everyone's right with that. Uh, James, it's been a while since we've discussed Power Court, but there was an mm. update from Gary Sweet in his program notes on Saturday. Uh, about the situation, uh, about the reason for the delay, the delay being initially the um, power station, how much it costs to shift the thing, and the fact that it's going to take an awful long time to shift the thing. Um, I don't think you needed Gary to tell you that the costs of this thing have gone through the roof. You only have to look at your day-to-day bills to know that that was going to be the case. But they're not going to give up on power court. It is going to happen. We've just got to be a bit patient. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, we've waited this long. Um, probably didn't do themselves the best of service saying that the planning application was going to come out or be put forward in the summer. Not that they shouldn't have said that, actually. But the 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 planning world and the building construction world is in such a mess at the moment that um, well, the economic and global world is a mess, isn't it? Let alone yeah. any individual world. Yeah, it's sometimes difficult for people that have never had to go through that the experience of using those services or doing anything like that whether it's on a small scale like something in your own home or to the uh, the extent that Luton are having to experience with uh, power court but it's beset by delays and frustrations and even more so when you've got a project like Luton because it's not just about building a stadium it's about you know transforming what was a toxic derelict site for two decades and um, <clears throat> bringing out a river that God knows why it was buried in the first place. Um, I have no idea. Uh, um, you know, all, all for the benefit of the town and, and for the club. It's it's a massive project. It's huge in its 
undertaking of what they have to do to, to get it there. But it will. It will get there. Um, I've got every faith that it, that it will. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just a patience, patience game now, I think. There just seems to be an army of people, and there might be just a small army, and it might be all the same people all the time going, well, it will never happen. Oh, I'm getting old. It will never happen. I might not be here. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, lads. It will never happen in my lifetime. That's the popular one. That's How the, the one, does anyone yeah. know that I'm going to die? Can someone tell me the date that I'm going to die? I'll make sure that I leave, you know, I spend every penny I've got and leave nothing behind if someone can tell me the day that I'm going to die. Um, yeah, Tony, anyway. the, Tony, the work is moving down there, literally, because they are moving the um, power plant now, finally, and things like that. But, I mean, James has just referenced it. There's a little bit of grief coming 2020's way, but really people have got to remember had there not have been an objection to these plans right, right, right back at the start, these would have been well down the line before the economic and global crash and the word pandemic was ever used uh, as popularly as it is right now. Um, if you're getting at anyone, you still need to remember capital and regional are the problem behind all of this, not 2020. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, Kevin. You know, if uh, they had been sensible, and work with the football club rather than uh, go against it. We'd have been sitting in power court now. With um, Junction 10 all sorted out as it was going to be yeah. and everything else. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, it's not, you know, the, the, the global economics and the, the downturn in, in retail as well um, hasn't helped. Um, it's been an extremely difficult process. and. You know, you, you you've got to give twenty twenty credit for sticking in there and 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 going for it because I'm sure a lot of other people would have given up by now, uh, but not these guys. Uh, we, I mean, we're fortunate as as uh, being on the trust board that we're privy to a lot of information and and we know certain things that are happening which we we can't reveal because of we're, we're bound by a. a, a uh, uh, confidentiality but we've heard nothing to get us worried we're still positive what we what we found that's all we can tell supporters um we know that the delay has been has been caused by um disagreements between uk power networks and rail track but that's been resolved but even so there's still a lot of work for the club to do um, but I'm positive. I, I know we'll get there. I'm, you know, 2020, I'm determined to get there. They know how important it is for the town and for the future of this football club. And I know it's been said before and people have been after it before, but people do have to be patient. They are working so hard on it and they all want it done because, you know, then... The, the, the people at 2020 can can quite rightly get a return on their investment in the football club. You know, they, they, they're not dragging their heels for the sheer hell of it. They, they want this done. They, they, they want power court done. They want the football club in there. And they, they, you know, then they can take advantage of the increased gates and uh, it, the benefits to the town. So, it's a hard ask, I know, and, and, and the, the club has been trying to find a new home since the late 1950s, and one thing after another has, has, has uh, put the kibosh on it, and supporters have been patient. I mean, I certainly want to be in my seat in power court before I, I pop my clogs, and I'm getting on a bit now, and, but I, I'm, I'm determined that I will take my seat in power court, and I'm, it will happen. There are naysayers in in all walks of life and, and in with every scheme, but this will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as Tony said, we are confined to confidentiality uh, things. And also the these are so commercially sensitive that, you know, any information that is put in the public domain, and I know fans want to hear so much, but literally everything that the club are doing, if they put it in the public domain, it would make costs even more 
different than what they are. That's why everything is so finely balanced. But rest assured, we do um, question the club about Power Court and about the plans and about everything every single time we meet them. And we meet them on a monthly basis. So all of your concerns are put to them. They're just not. Uh, it's just not in a position whereby those concerns are anything to worry about. You just do have to exercise that element of patience. It's just the world we're in, sadly. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, I can confirm exactly what you're saying, Kevin. Um, You know, they they do consult with us on a regular basis. We know what's happening. And uh, it's fair to say that as a board, we're happy with the way things are progressing, we're unhappy that it's taken so long for different reasons. But it, as, as we've already said, it, it, it's circumstances beyond the club's control. Um, but we're happy with what's happening. And, and, you know, 2020 have said all along, that as soon as there's anything that the supporters need to know, they'll announce it when they can. Exactly that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, 2020 could foresee that capital and regional were going to put two years of delays in, that a pandemic was going to wipe two years of the um, time out and that Putin would um, get on his high horse. Then they're probably cleverer people than everyone gives them credit for. Of course, they couldn't tell that. And that's unfortunately what's impacted um, all these delays. That's positive, though, Dan. It means we get a couple, three more seasons out of Kenilworth Road and 2020 because they're not going to go away until this stadium's built and uh, we get to uh, enjoy the delights of Kenilworth Road for a little bit longer. Yeah, and, you know, even though we've been pushing to leave Kenilworth Road, it still has its massive advantages because, you know, if, if you're ever on the socials and you see other supporters of other clubs, um, whenever a picture of Kenilworth Road or the Oak Road end is pictured, people go, shit, oh, worst ground I've ever been to, hate the place, a lot of former players, uh, opposition players come down and say they hate coming here and it's a compliment to us because it is an advantage you know and, and I, I just I've, I've, my dad and I have this conversation a lot as you know my dad's a Leicester fan and I sort of relate a little bit to when they left Filbert Street he, he didn't want to leave but the where they are now it was the next level to where they needed to get a loot and certainly need to be looking at power court as where we need to be um, as much as a lot of us don't want to see the back of Kenilworth Road it, it's progress isn't it um, and we are being made to wait I think Luton fans are some of the most patient supporters we've got some of us <laughs> use the term loosely um, those of us that don't know when our life's going to end well no exactly I did I did put it in on a, on a school computer once I was born at one lunch time and there was a website apparently that can tell you when you're going to die but as accurate as that is. Did the same one that said the world was going to end in like 2012 or something or other and lo and behold, yeah. 11 years later, still here. Well, I, I say I remember being at school um, in 98 and somebody said it was going to go overnight and when, when we, the millennium happened, this, when the clock spread zero, zero, zero across the bottom screen of the computer, it was going to like wipe the whole internet out. And <laughs> so, what? That's that, and that's the great thing about the future because who, who can predict what's going to happen Um God forbid there's another hold-up for this stadium. Um, but I, I wouldn't at all be surprised if there is one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I don't want to sound like a pessimistic old fart or anything like so many people are being about it. Because um, I firmly believe it will happen. It's just, you know, sod's law that something else will pop up. Um, well, but, yeah, exactly. You know, nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone... No. In the future, we're 18 months away from a new government. That's also going to change, or most likely a new government. That's going to change. Everything can change it. But the one thing mm. that won't change is their dedication to get this thing built. You will start seeing work happening down there now. That power station, substation thing, is it is getting moved. So you will see things happening. And then once it all starts to take a little, more, little bit more shape, I'm sure everyone will appreciate the work that's going on down there. And eventually we'll all be sat in that. Uh, nice shiny new stadium you just need to remember Kev we're Luton and it's never the easy path for us is it yeah exactly that and like you said we've been waiting so long we can wait a few more years this is the closest we've ever been to moving this one will actually happen the other ones have been dreams to potentially happen uh, and pipe dreams at that this is a reality it's just a slow moving reality and unfortunately that is the way of the world the world moves far too slowly these days 
because of the twats we've got running uh, too many countries. But that is <laughs> out of our hands, isn't it? And that's that's you know yeah. we can't do nothing about that unless you put Gary Sweet as prime minister. Ain't going to change anytime soon, and I don't think he's even in the running, unfortunately. So there we have it. It will be built. Luton Town will keep on moving forward. And as I say, if the end result is we have to enjoy another two or three years of the great place that we have as our home ground right now, well, let's enjoy every moment. And um, hopefully we're in the Premier League by the time Power Court is built. Gents, uh, that's just about it for this part of the podcast. Uh, thanks very much for your company, as always. Uh, it's been a joy to be back in the uh, in the hosting seat and uh, let James get back to his normal snoozing in his normal seat. Uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks very much to Simon Bits for his contribution to the first part of the podcast. Uh, that's already on the website. If you haven't listened to that, please do. It's a great and um, part of it. Uh, we will be producing another podcast next week. I'm hoping to get a chat with Alex Lawless, head of the um, academy game uh, in the FA Cup. Uh, we'll get his views on that and obviously uh, I won't let him go without talking us through uh, the great moments of his Luton career so keep an eye out for that your best way to um, find out when that drops is by subscribing on whichever way you get your podcasts and then you'll get a notification when it lands uh, it should be ahead of the Wigan game so that anyone going to the Wigan game can listen to that in full uh, thanks for your company chaps and um, well We'll catch up again next month. Until then, thanks for listening.